0: You know, last Sunday I preached on uh, how wonderful Jesus Christ is, and we could I could preach that every Sunday. How wonderful He is, wonderful. Amen. But the Lord's been laying these sermons on my heart, and uh, I try to sprinkle in some sermons like last Sunday, where Jesus is just really glorified and everything. But He's been laying these sermons on my heart about sin, different types of sin. So uh, I not, don't blame me. <laughs> so. If so I'm stepping on your toes, it's, it's the Lord doing that. that you know, I just preaching the Word. You know, notice it's, all this is coming out of the Bible. It's not my opinions. Because some of this stuff hits me probably harder than it hits you, believe it or not. But I'm not going to make any confession right now. But As we get into this, you'll see what I'm saying. But look at Luke chapter 12. Look at verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, talk, talking unto Jesus Christ, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said, Jesus said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Say, I'm not your judge. Take that, a, take that to a court and let him do that. But you notice how when you hear me say man this and man that, I'm just talking like Jesus Christ talked. He just talked like, 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 a, like some, of the, some of these hippies talk. Man, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Chapter 12, verse 14, brother. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Jesus Christ says, I didn't come on this earth to start helping you find out how much inheritance you're going to get from daddy or do all that. You no, know, we got court systems set up to do that. We got judges set up to do that. And there's, a, there's a lot of common sense in that. You know, you pray to God do, 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 you pray to God do something for you in certain, sense, in certain instances. And sometimes when it comes to money, you know, you just need to take this stuff to court. This isn't something, you know, uh, God's not going to divide all this stuff for you. And Jesus Christ said, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? Look at verse 15. And he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Covetous. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Amen. Jesus Christ gave us a beware. And that's what I'm going to preach on this, this morning. I'm going to pre- preach on the, to beware of covetousness. That you can get so covetous, and that's defined as, we'd say greed. It's that greed, it's that you've got to have it. And Jesus Christ says, you need to beware of that, and beware you're not getting too greedy, and you're trying to covet all this stuff, because life doesn't consist of money and riches. Look, life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. It's not how many cars you have, it's not how big a house you have, it's not how much money you have in the bank, life is a lot more than that. No matter what the world tries to tell you, life is more than getting rich. A lot more than getting rich. Uh, I haven't met a lot of very wealthy people, but the very, some of the very wealthy people I've run into are very miserable people. They're not very friendly, and they're kind of hateful. Listen, some of the nicest, sweetest people I've run into are poor people. Life is more than getting rich, and Jesus Christ is warning us about that. So let's go through some verses this morning about being covetous and how we can break that, that, that sin of, of coveting and greed. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I'm going to show you what the Bible has to say and then we're going to look at a couple of men that, that fell into this, into this sin and what happens in their life when they fell into this sin. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 5. Let's start here because when, when you think about coveting, and you think about greed, to me personally, money comes right up at the top of the list. People are greedy when it comes to money, to riches. And when I think of riches, I think of dollar bill signs. Yeah. Yes, I do. I think of dollar bill signs. And I think about how people trust in those dollar bill signs. And we have, uh, we have the, uh, a dollar bill, and we, uh, I think most of our coins, all our dollar bills have, In God We Trust." And I think people believe that, but I think that the God that they're talking about is not the God Jehovah. I think they believe that that dollar bill is a God, and that money is a God, and that's the money. That money is what they're trusting in. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse 5. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. They don't have the truth. They don't never, never had the truth. Supposing, look at this. Supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Now, guys, that's a, that's a prosperity message that God, if you're going to be godly, that you, when you're godly, that God's going to keep prospering you and prospering you and prospering you. Listen, God doesn't want everybody to be rich. Oh, it's kind of quiet, but that's, I'm about to show it to God. doesn't expect everybody. To, now, you might want to be rich, and, and but listen to me. When I said rich, you were thinking straight-up money. Uh, every one of y'all in here, y'all are already thinking your bank account, like, you know, you're rich in Jesus Christ. Amen. See, you're rich in Jesus Christ. And when I say rich, I mean God doesn't want everybody to have a lot of money. It's not, he warns over and over and over again. We're not going to go through all the scripture about riches and about being wealthy and how hard it is. He says, supposing that gain is godliness. Just because you're gaining money, just because you're gaining these riches, that's not necessarily godliness. He says, hey, withdraw thyself. Don't be around. Look at verse 6. But godliness... With contentment is great gain. Amen. Hey, being godly and being content with being godly, that's great gain. The problem with us is we're never content. Amen. Man, remember when we were young? I, I, at least I'm going to speak to myself. When I was young, if I, I thought if I could make $10 an hour, I'd be rich. And now, if my job came to me today and said, we're going to start paying you $10 a day, $10 an hour, I would quit because that's not enough money. And how I made it on $6 an hour and $5 an hour, I have no idea how I made it. But I did. You know what's funny? I was just as happy then as I am now. Amen. I'm happier then. Amen. <laughs> you were happier then, brother? Because <laughs> you were 40? Okay, bro, that's a 40. Okay, brother, that's. $1.40 an hour. Oh, $1.40 an hour. Okay, wow, brother. That was back, what, in 1910 or something like that? Or- 68, you're showing your age, brother. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Amen. Man, the Bible is so plain. It's common sense. Unless You're getting all these gr- gr- riches. You're trying to get all this money together, and you're going to die. And you're going to go into a coffin, and the worms are going to eat you. And the, the worms are going to eat me just as much as they're going to eat Bill Gates, the, one of the richest men in the world. They're going to eat him too, see. The worms don't care if you're rich or poor. They're going to eat you. Amen. And you're not going to take it with you. That's what he's saying. You can't take nothing. All that billions of dollars he has, he's going to go in the same casket as I'm going to go in. It might be a little bit better, amen. But it's going to go in the same ground. They're going to throw the same dirt over him. He can't take nothing, none of it with him. And you can't take none of your stuff with you either. Amen. We need to remember that. Look at verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. We're Americans. And being an American, was sport rotten. Everybody in here has got food. Everybody in here has got clothes. Amen. And, and uh, everybody in here is going to leave this church and go home and get something to eat. Amen. Listen, we've got food and we've got raiment. None of us, and if you don't have it, in this country of America, we've got good Christian charitable organizations that will get you food and get you raiment. We got them everywhere, so there's no excuse. And if you can't find a Christian order, the government itself will give you money so you can go buy food. But listen to me. You've got all that, so why are we not content? Why are we not content with that? Why are so many of us in here playing the lottery, giving the money back to the government? Listen, you can hit that big... You can, if you hit that lottery and you hit that big, big money, you know the government's going to take... it. At the beginning, going to take forty percent off the top, right there. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to hit it big, and then the government's going to hit it big too, yeah. every time, every time. And all money does it just enhances who you really are. It just magnifies who you really are. It doesn't change you into be a better person. I'm a Pardon me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. It'll make you worse. I had a guy working with me who claimed if I hit the lottery, I'm going to buy everybody in here a car. And he kept saying that, and he kept saying that, and I finally got so sick of him, I said, you know what, you're, so, you're a liar. Right through his face, I said, you're a liar. I said, you won't buy me a Coca-Cola right now when you can afford it. You know, a dollar Coke in a dollar machine, you won't buy me a Coke now, but you want me to believe you'd buy me a car? No, you won't. But that guy that would buy me a Coke right now, I believe he would buy me a car if he got that. It just magnifies who you are. But we need to be content with who we are and the money we have right now. We can be content. Look at verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Now, you can be rich and be godly. I'm going to say that right off the top. I'm not saying if you're rich, you're not godly. You can be rich. It's the will to be rich. You see that verse? But they that will be rich. You've got a will to be rich. In other words, your whole life, you wake up in the morning, and it's to get rich. You wake up in the morning to make more money. You wake up in the morning, you're going to see how much money you can make today or tomorrow. That's a kind of will to be rich that's a false sense of security, guys. And that's going to bring out covetousness in you and greed. And Jesus Christ told us already, beware of this covetousness. But they that will be rich, look, fall in temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. We could, I could have y'all stand up and give testimony of testimony of people you know who are trying to get rich, doing something, and they lied and cheated and did all kinds of under-the-table under things just to make more money. And we all know people like that. And that's what the Bible's describing to us right there. Look, which drown men in destruction and perdition. It'll drown you. You'll get up to here with it, see, and you can't hardly, you'll be up to here with it. I was reading this guy that, this, I was reading about this boat that was sinking and they had the lifeboat. Everybody had plenty of time to get on the lifeboat. One guy was trying to grab all this gold. He knew where this gold was at in this lifeboat. And it was just bars of gold, which everybody in here would probably be doing the same thing. And he was putting it in his pants. And the lifeboat, because it, it had been sitting there for a while, it started floating away from the boat. So when he t- got time, he jumped and it was too, he had too much weight. He missed the boat. And of course, what happened? He sunk right down and drowned. All that gold he had in his pocket just took him down. Greed. Greed. Look at verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. It didn't say money's the root of all evil. It said the love of money. Notice the Bible's real specific. It's not money, guys. If you have money, praise the Lord for that. God's blessed you. You need to thank the Lord that he's given you riches. And you've worked hard for it, amen? Some of us had not inheriting it. But the love of that money is a root of all evil. Amen. And the Bible's real specific. For the love of money is a root of all evil, while, which while some coveted after, there's that coveted, you greedy. They have erred from the faith. Guys, you're erring from the faith when you're coveting after money. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Some of the happiest people I know are poor people. I know y'all think that's crazy. Yeah. You know, I go over to, uh, I work for the city of Brownwood, and I'm in the rich side of town. I'm in the poor side of town. And when I'm on the poor side of town, there's a lot of those guys over there. (laughs) They'll be standing out there with their coffee mug, look like it hadn't been washed in two weeks. Got this old grungy old clothes on, (laughs) missing two or three teeth in front. Hey, boys! All smiling and happy. Then when I get over to the rich side of town, those people, they don't even look up. Busy getting in their car, you know. They're so busy. They've got to go, go, go. and It's all about taking care of what they have. It's the money, 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 money. And they coveted it after that. And we're about to get into we're going to talk. And they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, so in closing, the rest of this service, I want to show you two men in the Bible. We're going to look at their story and how, what greed did in their lives. And I think it would be a good illustration to look at these men. The first one's Gehazi, and that's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. Turn back to the back of your Bible, front of your Bible, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, and we'll start there at verse 20. You're going to recognize this story. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20. You might recognize this story. Naaman had leprosy. He was a a Gentile, excuse me. He was a Syrian Gentile, and he had leprosy. So he comes over to Elisha, and Elisha is gonna. Uh, he asks Elisha, and the story goes. And I preached this sermon not too long ago about he went down there. And Elisha says, "Go down into the Jordan River, baptize yourself seven times. When you come up the seventh time, you'll be healed." And he did it, and he was healed, and praise the Lord for that. It's a great story. But whenever Naaman was healed by Elisha, Naaman turns around, and Naaman was a very wealthy man. He had worked; he was he he was uh, real high up in the in the government, and he's told. He told uh, Elisha, here, I want to give you all this. And he had silver and gold. And he had all this. He gave him, he was going to, and Elisha wouldn't take it. Elisha says, I don't want nothing that you're giving me. I don't want none of it. Just go and be, you're healed. Just go in peace. And, and Naaman thanked him. And Naaman left. And that's how we ended. That's how I ended my sermon. It was, it's a great story. I love the story. But that story, like Paul Harvey says, there's the rest of the story. <laughs> Something else happens. And it all started up. And Look at verse 19. And he said unto him, Go in peace, so he departed from him a little way. But, verse 20, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master had spared name in this Syrian, and not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take some water him. So Gehazi says, Man, I can't believe Elisha let him leave with all that gold and all that silver and all that. St-. He wouldn't let him give us a penny of it. By the, as the Lord lives, he's praying this, guys. He's saying, God, as you live, I'm going to go get some of that. You can use God as an excuse to getting rich. Amen. And you can put God's name into all your covetous ways and all your greedy ways, but God's nowhere near part of that. Amen. But you can claim God is. You've got to be really, really careful with that. Oh, God, if you'll just give me this brand new car, I promise I'll go pick up all these different people and take them to church. And I'll go to church every time the doors are open. You'll promise God that, and then you won't ever show up. God, if you'll just give me a million dollars, I'll give a tenth of that, a hundred thousand of that to the church. If I could just win this million dollars. I've heard people saying something. I'll tie this and give it to the church. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. God is a God that pulls gold pieces out of fish's mouths. He doesn't need your money. When God is commanding you, and, it's in, and in the New Testament, it's an encouragement. He's not commanding you. In the New Testament, we call it tithing. In the New Testament, when God's encouraging you to tithe. He's encouraging you to give some money back to Him. Why is He telling you to do that? He doesn't, if you know God's a God of, that owes a cattle on a thousand hills, why would God need your money? It's not that He needs your money. It's that He's trying to break covetousness in your heart. Amen. The death of covetousness is the birth of charity. Or the birth of charity is the death of covetousness. What that means is, if you you have a problem with coveting, if you have a problem with being greedy, the way you want to break that is you want to start giving. (coughs) Give away. Everything Jesus Christ commanded us to do was for our own good. Forgiveness, loving our enemies, and if it's tithing or whatever, that's not so the church can get rich, that's so you won't be greedy. It breaks that. Now you might not believe me. And I know some of y'all have already, you know, grab the back up, grab your wallet, you know. Nobody's passing. Does anybody pass the offering plate this morning? <coughs> Does anybody pass the offering plate this morning? Does anybody ever pass the offering plate and say, "Hey, I want you to give money to this church"? And we won't. No, it won't ever happen while I'm here. The point is, is I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your soul and getting right with God about this stuff. But God, Gehazi says, "But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take some water of him." So here he goes. Verse 21, so Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well? So he sees Gehazi's running, and he thinks, oh, something's happened to Elijah, something's wrong. So he jumps down, Naaman jumps down and says, "Uh, Gehazi, is everything okay? And look at what Gehazi says in verse 22. And he said, Gehazi said, all is well, my master has sent me saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. He lies. He flat out lies to Naaman. Elisha didn't send him, he just lies. Amen. Guys, when you get into that, you have that coveted spirit, and you have that greedy spirit about you, it'll, it, it, what it does, it brings out into you, being, it'll change you into something you don't want to be. It'll change you into a liar and a conniver and a thief. What it'll do. Amen. You got to be careful. With that's why Jesus Christ said, beware. <laughs> beware of that. And that's what happens with Gehazi here. He just flat out lies. He, he could have just went to, he, could he not have just went to Naaman and say, listen, I know Elisha didn't want to take any of your stuff, but could I have just a little bit? I bet Naaman would have gave it to him a little bit. But he couldn't even do that. He has to lie about it and connive about it because he he thinks he won't get it. Verse 23, and Naaman said, be content. Take two talents. So Naaman's going to give it to him. But notice what Naaman says. Naaman says, be content. Guys, Naaman don't even realize what he's saying to Gehazi, but but God's speaking through Naaman to Gehazi. First words out of Naaman's mouth is, be content. That's what God's words are to you this morning. Be content. I know we all want to have more money. I know we all want to be richer. I know we all wish we had a million dollars in the bank, but maybe God knows that we couldn't handle it. Maybe God knows that we think we want something that's not going to be good for us. Some of us would get that money and we'd never see each other again. Amen. Amen. Brother Packer, he said if you know, he'd won that money, he'd be going to Vegas and have a woman on each arm and convertible, you'd never see him again. You know, that's the way some men are. We think we can handle it, but we can't handle it. Mm-hmm. We really can't. And Gehazi, uh, Naaman says, Gehazi, be content and take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags and two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they bare them before him. So he gets what he wants. Gehazi gets exactly what he wants. Verse 24, when he came to the tower, that's where the, Elisha's staying, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house and he let the men go and they departed. So he goes and he hides it there in the house, see? So it goes up into verse 25. But he went in, goes in, and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And Gehazi said, Thy servant went not with her. I didn't go nowhere. What are you talking about? He lies again. See, now you're not only lying to somebody else, now you're lying to some of your best friends. That's what greed will do to you. That's what breaks up a lot of marriages right there. There's lying going on about the money. I didn't spend that money. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Like Joker was telling me, and I, I'll, I'll cut this out of the. I'll cut this out, brother. But I love Joker. <laughs> he was married to a girl that was saying it that, that she just broke. She didn't have no money. And Joker's telling me, he goes, yeah, she's broke, and tells me she had no money. He goes, but when I go to her car, her car is full of nothing but fast food wrappers laying all over the floor, where she's been going to fast food, spending all the money on fast food. But I don't have no money. You have to start lying to the ones you love. That's what greed does to you. Oh, I didn't spend that money, honey. I don't know where that money went. I don't. That's what he's having to do with Elisha. You see that what it's making? It's turning Gehazi into something he don't want to be. Greed. 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 Verse 26, And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments? And olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants. Elisha flat asking him, Is it a time to receive all this? What Gehazi's doing is he's trying to make money off of God's work. And Elisha says, It's not time to make money off something like this. We don't make money off God's work. That's what Elisha's trying to tell Gehazi. Amen. There is a time for that. Guys, there is a time to buy vineyards. There is a time for that, amen? I'm not telling you not to be good businessmen or women. I'm not telling you not to spend your money. right. I'm not telling you not to make more money. I'm not telling you to invest in the stock market. I'm not telling you what to do with your money, but I'm saying there's a time to do that, and there's a time not. You need to be careful not to turn greedy. Not to turn greedy. There's a time and there's not a time. And is trying to get rich from God's works. That's what you see on TV. You see, there's a TV evangelist saying, God wants you to be rich. And they flew in on this big, huge airliner jet that they had bought, personal jet, and they're driving around in this Mercedes. They're, they're making money off God's work, and you've got to be really, really careful of that. You say, that's only for those big TV evangelists. Well, I've seen it over there in Harmony Baptist. When I left Harmony Baptist come over here to Indian Gap, uh, Brother uh, Dewey Wilson called me up. He said, you'll never believe this, Brother Keegan. We had this guy come in. He preached. We liked him. We told him, you know what, we want to call you as a pastor. And that pastor said, I can't come here. I can't come here. It'll look bad on my resume. If I come to this little church, it'll look bad on my resume. See, to him, it was nothing more than a resume. It wasn't a calling from God. It was a resume. There's a lot of preachers like that, guys. I hate to admit it. There is. There's a lot of preachers like that, trying to get rich off God's work. And this is what happens to Gehazi in verse 27. The leprosy thereof of Naaman shall cleave unto thee. And unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. That leprosy that Naaman was cured of, it went right up onto to Gehazi. So from what does that tell you? He wasn't going to be able to enjoy those riches he got. That, 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 nice, that nice raiment, that was those nice clothes he got from Naaman, they were, he wasn't going to be able to wear them. His leprosy was going to stain them. God was going to make sure he wasn't going to be able to enjoy that. But some, something about this that bothers me about the Bible, and this is about, and I'm about to show you another story, and we'll close with another story, is that God doesn't just punish Gehazi. God says, it's thy seed forever. Amen. And it's a sombering and a sobering testimony that your greed can affect your family Amen. and everyone around you. Not just you. It affect your family. Let's look at one more in Joshua chapter 7. Let's go through Joshua chapter seven, and we'll we'll close there. I was reading about uh, this. It's a Chinese proverb. I love those Chinese proverbs; always really interesting to me. J- Joshua chapter seven, verse ten. But this Chinese proverb was: uh, it's, the Chinese proverb goes like this? I want to eat. I want to eat in the. I want to eat in the east and sleep in the west. None of y'all probably have heard that, but they say I want to eat in the east and sleep in the west." And the proverb goes that there was a young girl that she was uh, come a marrying age, and two, she had two suitors, two men that showed up at her family's house, said, I, we, we, I want to marry your daughter, and they were offering everything they had. Well, the, there was one guy, he came from the east, and this guy was ugly. <laughs> this guy was ugly, but he, he was rich. So he's ugly, but rich. And the guy from the west, he came in, and boy, this was a good-looking dude. The guy from the west was very, very handsome. But guess what? He was very, very poor. So the family said, well, we can't make our mind up, so we're going to let you, daughter, pick who do you want to go with. Do you want to go with the man in the east who was ugly and rich, or do you want to go with the man in the west who is handsome but very, very poor? And he, she said, they said, we know that you, you're very shy, so instead of just saying it, why don't you just raise your arm, Le- raise your left hand for the east, raise your right hand for the west, and you'll let us know which one you want to go with. And they waited, and she raised both her arms. And they said, we don't understand what you said. What you mean by raising both your arms, she said, because I'd rather go eat with the man in the East, but I want to go sleep with the man in the West. We call that in America, we call having your cake and eating it too. She wanted to have her cake and eat it too. Guys, you can't get rich like the world wants you to get rich without being a cheat and a liar. You can do some of it. I'm not saying you can't. It's really, really hard. Because a lot of the people that I know who get rich, somewhere around, along the way, they've got to compromise something. They've got to compromise their walk with God. They've got to stop going to church as much. they got to stop. Maybe they've got to lie a little bit here. They've got to lie a little bit here on their taxes. They gotta lie, they, they, there's some way they start compromising because of that covetousness and that Greed. So in Joshua chapter 7, Joshua has a problem. They destroyed, they brought the walls of Jericho down. The walls of Jericho down, it was wonderful, but God gave them a commandment. When I drop these walls of Jericho, y'all go in there, y'all start killing these people. God told them, don't take anything, not one thing. Don't even take a sheep, don't take anything. Don't even take a piece of clothes, don't take anything. But see, God was given, what, what you will find out later on, that God starts allowing them to spoil these other cities they take over. But the first one, the first one, like a tithe, belonged to God. He said, I want you taking anything out of it. So they destroyed Jericho. Everybody's on cloud nine. They found some other guys they're going to have to get into a fight with. So they said, well, don't send a lot of people over there to fight with them. There's not, not, not that many of them. So Joshua sends a little bit of his army over there. And they get whipped. And they come back, and Joshua gets distraught and he falls down on his knees he says God what's going on here what's happening here and he's praying to God asking God to help him out and the Lord said in verse 10 and the Lord said unto Joshua get thee up wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face Israel hath sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also and they have put even among their own stuff What God's saying there is, Joshua, there's a time to get on your knees and pray to me, and there's a time to get up and get some things straightened out. There's a time to pray, guys, and there's a time to start straightening out what you're doing in your life. God's going to want you to pray. God wants you to confess, but there's a time to get up off your knees and say, okay, stop confessing this and stop doing it. Stop confessing this and go back and make things right. And things aren't right, Joshua. Israel sinned. Look at verse 12. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand. Before their enemies, greed and covetousness can affect a whole nation. And I think it's affected America. To where a kid, from the time he starts right there, he starts getting into high school, they start telling them, you need to go to college, you need to t- make good money, you need to get a job to make you more money, you need to get a job that pays you really well. And they start just focusing on getting rich, getting rich, getting rich, getting rich. And maybe that kid can't do that. Maybe that kid's not designed to be in school. Maybe that kid would be happy if he's just work, working under a car fixing an engine or something. Maybe that kid would be happy and be content. He could have a family, go to church every Sunday, not have to worry about all that stuff. He would just be content. But the world says, no, you wouldn't. No, 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 no. You need to get rich. You're not going to be content unless you're rich. And the world's lying to you. It's a lie straight out of hell. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. So, to close up and get this thing going real quick. God says, I want you to take lots, and I want you to draw the families up, and I'll cast lots, and you draw that that family. Once you bring the tribe in, we'll draw lots. Bring the family, we'll draw lots. And then from there, we'll just pick them. God says, I'll pick it. You just keep drawing the lots. So that's what they do. And they pick it, pick it, and it goes all the way back down to a guy named Achan. And he's brought forward. He goes, okay, your name's been pulled. What'd you do? And verse 19, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee. Look at verse 19. Glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Joshua says, Your name's been pulled. We know it's you. What'd you do? Confess it. Verse 20, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. He's going to explain it. Verse 21, When I saw among the spoils of a goodly Babylonian, Garment. Guys, it says he saw it. you got to watch your eyes. you got to watch your eyes. Maybe you're coveting what you're coveting, being a new car, a new house, whatever it might be you're coveting. Maybe you're coveting that because your eyes are seeing it. I know a lot of preachers, and I, I think they're right, they call the TV a covet box. That's what a lot of times it is. They'll show you a little bit of, a, of entertainment and then they show you some commercials so you'll covet whatever it is that they want you to buy. But it starts with the eyes. It says in Eden, when, uh, uh, when Eve was there, she saw that the fruit was good. See, it start, watch your eyes. Watch those eyes. It starts with the eyes. When I saw among the spools of God, a goodly Babylonishness. Babylonish garment, excuse me, and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them. He saw it and he got greedy. He wanted it. And, they, and took them. Even though God told him not to do it, he did it anyway. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. There's a great truth about that. He takes that gold and he hides it underneath there. Even if you were to get rich, guys, then you got to start worrying about it. Once you do get rich, then you got to start worrying about it. I see this played out, illustrated to me, when I go to parking lots, like at Walmart or United or where I go to these parking lots, and you'll see somebody have a really, really nice car, and they'll have it parked at the very back <laughs> of the parking lot because they don't want nobody parking around them. They don't want nobody dinging up their doors. It's because it's so nice, and they just got through paying $45,000 for this new truck or whatever, and they, so they park it away from everybody. You ever seen that? Aren't you glad that we own a bunch of junkers? We just pull up front, you know, beat people. We can hit somebody, pow, 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 you know, get in the, you're not going to be able to tell. Praise the Lord for that. There's something about not having those riches that makes things comfortable. Dr. Ruppman says a rich man stays up all night worrying about things a poor man never dreamed of. He's right. None of us in here, I hope, stayed up all night long worried about what the stock market was going to do Monday. We just went to bed and. When you have riches, then you've got to start hiding them. When you have riches, you've got to start building that gated wall where nobody can get in. You've got to start worrying about locking up your house. You've got to worry about somebody coming in and getting it. You start worrying about it, and you start coveting it, and you start getting greedy, and that's exactly what Achan was doing. He started hiding it because, you know, he want to make sure. That's the danger with getting riches. Then you've got to start worrying about them. There's some, that's one problem you don't have to worry about this morning, praise the Lord, (laughs) for some of us, we don't worry about that. So, let's close this out, so Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under, and they took them out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua, and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. So he did have what he said, verse 24, Now this is a very disturbing couple of verses for me. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan and the son of Zarah, And the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and look, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and and they brought them unto the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. What's so troubling to me is that Achan's the one had done this, but his daughters and his sons were took out and stoned with him. And his sheep, and his, they had nothing to do with that. But it's a great illustration that covetousness and greed will affect your whole family. Amen. I'm thankful that I don't live under the law. But that is God, and God did do it. God told them to do that. That's how God felt about that. And there's times where you can do something that will affect your whole family. And it's very sombering and sobering. But you can't take those verses and cut them out, friends. You might not like them, and I don't care to read them either, but that's exactly what they did to take care of that sin. They took his daughters and took his sons. That's how dangerous covetousness can be. That's how dangerous... Being greedy can be. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, covetousness, which is idolatry. You're worshiping in it. It says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 5, for riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Amen. Amen, Amen, Brother Joker. Yeah, that's what riches do. You get them, and then they just tend to fly away. You know, you think you have... Then you want to try to keep them. Can we not just be content with what God's given us? You know, uh, when Pompeii blew up, they found all these people in the ashes, and then one of the saddest things they found, they found this woman. She had rings on every one of her fingers, and she was running, and they said she was clutching jewels, and she had fell down, and she was overcome. She was trying to run with all her riches. And what if she could have just got rid of some of them and been able to run faster? She might have got away, but she had to have those riches. And she was clutching them as the fire came. We need to be aware of this. And we need to learn just to be content with what God's given us. Amen. I want to be content with what God's given me. I want to be content with what God's given us at this church. Amen. I want to be content with, you know what, we're not, we're, we're not going to be running a thousand next Sunday. But I want to be content with what God's doing in this church. Content with the missionaries we're supporting. Just be content and say, you know what? I wish things were better. I wish things. But I want to just be content and say, Lord, whenever you're ready to bless, I want the blessing to come from you, Lord. I don't want it to be something I'm doing that I'm having to lie and cheat and be underhanded. And I want it to grow because, Lord, you want it to grow. Lord, I want my bank account to grow because you want my bank account to grow. Lord, I want my house to be a better house because you want it to be a better house. I want to have a better car, Lord, because you bless me with a better... I don't want to do these things that will cause me to be a, somebody I don't want to be and affect the rest of my family. Be like Gehazi. Affect generations from greed and covetousness. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you love us and take care of us. Father, if there's somebody who needs the sound of my voices. Never receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. They don't know Jesus Christ, Father, and for sure. If they were to die tonight, Lord, they're not for sure if they would go to heaven or hell, Lord God. I pray that as we give this invitation, Lord, they'll come on down the aisle, Lord God, and they can let us open a Bible and show them how they might get saved. And they can know when they leave this room, Lord, they can know that they're going to heaven, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you, Father, that you love us and put up with us, Lord. You put up with our greed and our covetousness, Lord. You put up with all that, Father. And it's not because we deserve it. It's because you're so good. And you're full of grace and mercy, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord. And Thank you so much for these people, Lord God. I ask a special blessing on them, Lord. I ask a hedge of protection to be built around them and their health that they might go through this week, Lord God, and be able to come back up here next Friday and Saturday and Sunday, Lord God, and just sing praises unto you. Thank you so much for loving us. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have an invitation. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at indiangapbaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.